This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Uh, let me welcome to the middle Stephen Yang. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Steve, you know, let me just set it up a little bit. You, you for a while, and you'll tell me how long, you followed around someone uh, called David Gonzalez, a 42-year-old guy raised on Staten Island, attended Catholic schools, a couple of years in college, was a, uh, an FDNY EMT, and now he's a drug addict and he's someone who shoplifts to support his habit. Let me just ask you, did you set out to do a story of kind of getting behind the rash of shoplifting that we've had recently? Did you meet David Gonzalez surreptitiously and became interested? Tell me a little bit about your route into this story. Sure. So as someone who covers day-to-day news in the city uh, as a freelancer, I am always kind of looking around for potential stories and things that are interesting uh, to me. And I had noticed that there was a lot of drug activity uh, popping up in public. Uh, as someone who grew up in the city, I, I didn't see people like shooting up and smoking crack like so openly. Um, and so I started seeing it in Washington Square Park and also in Midtown, particularly um, in the 30s. And uh, so I, you know, I started documenting the drug use and um, eventually, you know, I, I kind of wanted to get a little bit more personal about it and to get more, you know, deeper than just a, a, a guy passed out on the street. Um, and so I, uh, I approached a few people and they weren't really interested in participating, but um, just luckily one day uh, on 36th street, I bumped into David and I asked him, you know, right off the bat, if you'd be willing to um, be part of a story about heroin use. Um, and he immediately agreed. Um, it was actually pretty astonishing. He was so open and so ready to talk about his experiences. So uh, I got very lucky with him. Well, in addition to being open about his experiences with addiction, um, which I think a lot of our listeners are going to recognize if they have any experiences in their family or friends, he also took you along on crime sprees as he supported this addiction, didn't he? Correct. Uh, So, you know, I, I began just by asking him about his, his day, you know, like, Tell me, you know, what do you do every day? Where do you go? Um, And can I just go and photograph that? So he told me he was going to do some heroin, and I was welcome to photograph that and ask him about it. Um, And then he said, well, you know, I go and I I steal things in order to support my habit. Um, And I began asking him some questions about it. And he said, well, you're welcome to come with me if you'd like and take some photos. And over the course of the day, you know, I, I made a point to keep on asking him to make sure that it wasn't just a passing comment, that he actually was okay with me coming with him. And I was careful to kind of keep my distance, you know, while he was uh, stealing stuff. Uh, but it was very eye-opening, certainly, from my perspective. Well, you you tell the story. And for those of you who are uh, – it's going to be in the, in the show notes for the show if when you get the podcast – um, form of this. It's FDNY firefighter turned drug addict tragically reveals the crisis on our streets by Stephen Yang. It came out on June 22nd. It's actually had a, uh, it, it, someone's written an editorial, so I've got over 200 comments on the story. It really has 
spurred a lot of reaction. You know, I can tell you we get calls here. I see it on, on 14th Street, not far from where I live. And even if you just walk into a drugstore nowadays, you see like virtually the entire shelf space is covered behind locks because things are getting stolen so frequently. But tell me a little bit about an experience that you write about in the story about him going on a little crime spree in Queen Center Mall. So David um, went and he goes for items that he can easily fence um, to electronic stores in Midtown, who uh, I guess uh, um, allow uh, stolen goods to be resold. Um, and he um, took me around and, you know, a lot of the staff, they would notice him walking in and there was even a uniformed police officer who I believe was off duty. You know, they're allowed to, to work uh, with their uniform for private businesses off hours. Um, but the staff was sort of resigned against uh, stopping him, you know, and I think that that's, there are many cases like that, you know, in drugstores, Dwayne Reed and uh, CVS, um, I, I, my understanding is that it's because uh, detaining someone poses its own challenges. Um, if you detain someone and you injure them, uh, you open yourself up to lawsuits. So a lot of businesses, a lot of the chain stores have made the calculation that it's easier to just let people take things and leave than to risk a lawsuit or some kind of um, retaliation um, for um, stopping the, the, the thief, you know, and also, you know, I think they're generally want to avoid some kind of altercation, you know, that could also spill out onto the street or could injure another um, a patron of the store. So um, we're, we're at a funny point right now in New York where I think obviously we don't want to encourage theft and we don't want to allow people to just take whatever they want from these stores. But there isn't always a clear answer in how to stop them. Um, and I, I don't believe even the police know how to fully respond to these incidents. Yeah, it's an interesting and insightful exchange you had with David during the story where it does seem like he worries about getting busted, but he just kind of makes he takes steps to to reduce the possibility that he will. It's not something that stops him at all from doing from doing his his shoplifting. Let me just ask you this. It's another little piece that was almost in passing in the story that I think maybe if you're going to do a follow up, I'd be interested in reading about is there's apparently a network of places that fence the stuff that these guys steal, right? They, they don't necessarily go out onto a street corner and sell it. There's a, there, there is a supply chain that work here that keeps this criminal activity going, right? That's right. Um, what I was told is that the stores, which are generally clustered in Midtown, are, uh, they have an agreement with these thieves uh, that they will pay 25% of the sticker price. So, from the standpoint of someone who is doing the stealing, I think uh, you want to get enough high-value items in order to make it worth your while for that day. But you want to stay under a certain amount that will open you up to um, felony charges. Um, so if it's uh, – you want to avoid grand larceny, I think, is, right. is the general thing. And, you know, going back to this idea of consequences, I think if you are someone who is going out and stealing every day – at some point you do get caught. And if you do get caught and then you realize that you go into the, the system, maybe you get held for a day or two, you get a DAT ticket or you spend, you know, a couple of days in jail and then they release you. There's a lot less to be afraid of. Right. Because you've been. So we're, we're, and, we're, we're talking to, thank you. We're, we're talking to, to, to Stephen Yang. He wrote a great story in the New York post about 
following someone named David, um, David Gonzalez, 42-year-old guy, used to be a FDNY EMT. Just to make it, just to, to kind of uh, wrap up our conversation, at the end of your story, you reach out and connect with David's mom. What was that like? David's mom was very welcoming and very kind. Um, I could tell immediately that she, just the way she spoke about him, um, that she had come to accept certain things about him, that she still loves him as a son. Um, and it was heartbreaking to to hear her side of things because often addiction hurts the family and the friends the most. You know, the, the addicts can kind of keep on using and keep on going into oblivion and uh you know, going and ignoring their present reality. But the people around them, the, the ones that are closest to them, often suffer because they have to watch the decline. They can see it before the addict sometimes even sees it. And, um, you know, her her standpoint at this point is just acceptance, you know, and this idea that she cannot change him. She wants to be there for him. She wants to spend time with him. She wants to be connected to them. Um, and she's hoping that one day he finds his way back, you know, and that he can... He can stop doing drugs, but the best that she can do is uh, just keep on showing up for him, which is yeah. tragic. Yeah, you've, you've listen, you've you've touched on a, a few different things here. You know, I've, obviously, the some people are going to read in this the challenges of dealing with shoplifters, but many people are going to read it the way I did, which is just the how traumatic it is for family members of those addicted, and just to to make it to make it very clear, you know. David is in addiction. He is not, he doesn't show any signs throughout your story. Maybe it doesn't come through that he's trying to, to kick it at all. It seems like he's just, he's living a life of an addict and that, that, that wreaks havoc on the stores that he's going into. It wreaks havoc on his family, on society. And I really want to thank you for bringing this story to light. I encourage people to, to get a hold of it. You can Google Stephen, Stephen Yang's name. Stephen, do you have a social media handle that they can find your stuff on? Yes, my, Instagram is the West is blue. Terrific. Well, thank you very much, Stephen. We appreciate it. When we come back, we'll take a few uh, follow-up calls. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.